Welcome everyone to Schooling Ya, a Birchen Park podcast. Welcome back everyone. I am joined today by Michael Fredette. Michael is our next door neighbor here at Birchen Park Middle School. He is the principal of Mapleshade Elementary School. And as we continue our discussion on transitions, I thought it was pertinent and important in order to get his perspective on what transitions mean as a principal of a school whose students exit him and then enter our building. So Michael, two things. One, happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> and how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm, I'm excited to be here. I'm, I thank you for uh, inviting me into this podcast and thinking about Maple Shade School when you're considering your students for transitioning into sixth grade middle school. Well, absolutely. It, it, there, there was no way that we were going to have this conversation about transition without, without getting your perspective. So at this point in, in schooling you, we have done at least three episodes from the, the, the student perspective of what transitions mean. We have talked to adults within our building. And like I said, it, it's really important to, to, to really pick the brain of someone who prepares the students for the middle school experience. So to start off, what would you say your expectations are for your fifth grade students by the time they exit your school? Well, I think academically, the expectations are they'll be able to solve complex problems in mathematics with multiple operations um, in varying areas of content. So um, fractions, coordinate planes, um, uh, multi-digit processing in both division and multiplication, of course. Um, uh, geometric principles, and uh, and I think that probably covers maybe the uh, and some level of um, expressions, like being being able to create expressions and identify expressions and solve problems with expressions. That's definitely a big one for fifth grade. Um, in writing, we want students to write across the curriculum. We want students to write across genre, and we want students to have a really strong voice in their writing. So if they're writing opinion pieces or persuasive arguments. Um, we want them to always draw from evidence, be able to do some level of research with some backing on um, what are credible sources and how they gather their information to formulate opinions. Um, we also look for them to write for information. We want them to in be able to inform any audience um, with specific information that they're studying or learning about or passionate about. Um, and we definitely want them to be creative writers when writing narratives. Um, and then we want them to be able to write narrative through their own perspective and narrative through the perspective of others or the perspective of an author and why they wrote a piece. Um, so th th that's a big area for writing. And then um, for reading, we want them to be engaged readers in a multiple genre, multiple materials, um, whether it's um, digital media or if it's um, in paper print. We want students to be able to read and comprehend and um, be able to speak you know, expressively about what they're reading and communicate well with their peers throughout. It's a very, very thoughtful and thorough answer. Um, and I, I think that what's really important to stress is the high level of expectations that you have for your students. And as you were answering the question, I was putting myself in the perspective of someone that isn't in the educational field. And if I didn't know you and I didn't know what the expectations were for your students, I might think to myself, oh my God, this is occurring at the elementary school level. These are the expectations. You know, so for anyone that's outside the business, they might hear all that I mean, maybe feel a little bit overwhelmed. I mean, do you, do you encounter any sense of anybody with whom you work, um, whether it be teachers or parents or students themselves, feeling that sense of being overwhelmed with, with those expectations? I think it varies. I think um, 
you know, a, a, the majority of our students, I feel like, rise to the challenge. And, and I also feel like we do, they rise to the challenge because we do a great job keeping them engaged and interested in school. So I think because we do a great job in that area, they do a great job being challenged. Um, however, there are also levels of anxiety. There's anxiety on the parents' perspective of things, and there's anxiety on the students' perspective of things. Elementary school is hard now. Mm -hmm. It's very hard. The standard requirements are high, the expectations are high, and it's hard. And so when students don't rise to those challenges, we, we use a really strong team effort. Um, and we, I think that's another thing in the transition process that students don't know, and I know you do a great job here teaming also, but they go into the unknown where they feel like, well, I have this team of teachers that were here to support me, support me with anxiety, support me with struggling in school, um, support me when I'm not keeping up or don't understand something. I hope I have the same thing going forward, so I'm nervous, you know, but yes, I think that there's definitely some level of anxiety and nervousness about school, keeping up with school and keeping up with expectations, but I do feel like the majority of our students do a fantastic job in their academic work. And I would agree based on the, the students that we get. Um, they, they are coming with a not just a high level of expectations, but a high level of output, um, which is it's always good for us on our end of things because it, it pushes us to you know continue to challenge them as they as they enter us and then as they continue to, to make their way through the, the middle school experience. So you touched upon this a little bit about you know the anxiety. Are there any other challenges that you think that your students face as they transition from one building to the, the next? Because there is such an emotional journey that, that goes as they make their way you know, from the beginning of fifth grade to the end of, of fifth grade. You know, there is a whole saying goodbye piece. There is a letting go. There's looking ahead to the future and the unknown that you just mentioned that, that comes along with it. So what are the challenges that, that you think that they face? I think surprisingly from the outside looking in, they're not worried about schoolwork. They're more worried about the social component of mm -hmm. middle school. Um, they're more worried about, you know, you go from being sort of like a big fish in a small pond to a small fish in a big pond. And they get worried about, am I going to be with friends? Am I going to make new friends? Um, am I going to get picked on? Or, you know, it, it, all, all sorts of things like that, which I know don't happen, mm -hmm. you know, for the most part here at Birchland, but kids worry about that. They worry about the, the social change more so than the academics. Um, and that's the thing that I feel like is just, it's more of like a wait and see approach than something we can really even solve at transition time. I think what we do for transitioning in when we, they come here for their visit, that's really important. Mm -hmm. I think when they meet you, they meet Dr. Allen, they meet um, Mrs. Gomes. I, I think um, that all works really, really well for the students, and uh, that makes them feel more comfortable. And, and they're excited, too. They're, by the time second half of fifth grade comes, they're really done with elementary, yeah. and they want to move on, but they're nervous about the social situation. Yeah, it's the unknown, yeah. you know, and we always fear the, what, what, what we don't exactly know. Now, Michael, here's, here's a question for you. Think back to when you were in fifth grade, okay? How would little fifth grade Michael Fredette have done in your school with you as a principal? It's, that's, a, that's an excellent question. I mean, obviously, I'm reflecting a lot. I feel like I would have done very well because I would have been prepared. I think if you took me out of fifth grade back then and put me into fifth grade now, I wouldn't have done well at all mm -hmm. because the academics are different. Yeah. I wouldn't have been prepared. But I feel like if I've gone through East Long Meadows schools, I've gone through Maple Shade School, 
I'm now in fifth grade and I'm me back in fifth grade, I think I would have done very, very well. Um, and I would have liked my principal a lot. <laughs> I, I, and I'm not saying yeah, that, like, yeah. I'm, I'm going to pat myself in the back yeah. a little bit. I care about kids. I care about their names. I care about connecting with them. Um, I have moments where I, you know, I ask them continuously about school and are they making their teachers proud and their parents proud and their principal proud, which is me, and we have a laugh about it. But um, I feel like I would think that my principal is is very visible and there for me or there for my friends or there for the teachers in the school in general. I, I, I really think I would feel good about my principal. That's a great answer. Yeah. Um, so as a fifth grade student or just an elementary school student, how when it came to transition time, um, when you transitioned, I don't know if you, if you transitioned to a middle school or a junior high and when you left that and went to high school, how, how did earlier you handle transitions? Well, my big transition was eighth to high school. Mm-hmm. That, that was my big transition because I was in a K-8, K-8 system. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I was scared to death. Um, going into high school. My high school had 4,000 students in it. Um, It was New Bedford High. It was a big school. There were a lot of stories about fights and bad behavior and police needing to be called and bomb scares and threats and that happened very often Mm -hmm. and vandalism and stink bombs and all those stories I heard before high school even arrived. Um, I was very, very anxious. I I did not want to start ninth grade. I think the one thing that helped me the most maybe was my sister was a senior, so I was a little comfortable with that. The cafeteria scenes were huge. I never felt comfortable there right away. Um, So the thing that helped me the most in that transition, because the initial transition was a shock, it was not fun, was I was always connected to teams. So even if you're, I know middle schools offer a lot more here Mm -hmm. for clubs and after school opportunities and opportunities within the school day. And I think that you guys do a great job with culture building for students having a voice, being engaged in something beyond just curricular expectations. So my experience being on a team, helping me through that transition, I think is going to help our kids a lot, being in middle school and being connected to something beyond just the academic rigors of the classes. Great answer. Yeah. What lasting impact do you hope to have upon your students? When, when our Maple Shade students are somewhere in their mid-20s, I envision someday a student, whether it be one or 100, are going to walk through my front door and say, Mr. Fredette, I am a scientist, I am an engineer, I am a mathematician in whatever field or whatever discipline they're in. And it's because I was inspired to do these things at Maple Shade. That is, that's a great answer. Now, um, part of the way that, that you do this, something that, that listeners should know, is um, Michael is really leading the charge, um, not just in the district, but I would, I would say that when talking to other educators and administrators in Western Mass, uh, Michael really is leading the charge in terms of incorporating um, makerspace both as a physical location and a philosophy um, for how students and teachers can tackle um, educational content. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about the importance of Makerspace and the, twi- in, in the fact that we're living in 2018 and moving ahead? So Makerspace have, has incredible implications for learning and the future for children, but the thing that this interview is about is the thing that also makes me 
like if I had to list the top three things that make me excited about Makerspace in East Long Meadow is the fact that our Makerspace is in Birchland Park Middle School. So our fifth grade students come here for project-based learning in their future middle school in Makerspace. And I know this is helping the transition process you know, exponentially. <laughs> like I know these students are like, this is gonna be my middle school. This place is awesome. I love coming to Birchland. And that is gonna help them so much with their transition. So just I wanna get that off the plate. Awesome. But um, B is Makerspace, whether it's even science or engineering related, like it lends itself to that, but it also lends itself to other things. It lends itself to critical thinking, problem solving, engaging in joyful experiences and learning with their peers. It engages them in high-tech and low-tech tools, so they'll have experiences learning how to 3D print and laser cut and vinyl cut, but they'll also have experiences how to fasten things together or or use a hand tool, you know, a, a, a hand tool with very little risk, like screwdrivers and pliers and, and wire cutters, things like that, that children generally don't have a lot of experience with, but when you are using those things, you're using your five senses, your neurons are firing, and your brain is growing. Um, and the more we can grow brains in any way possible, the better thinkers, the better readers, the better composers of information or, or music that they'll be. Um, and I just, I want to inspire teachers and students to to be makers and creators because it's really good for their brain. Um, and whether they get passionate about being a, an engineer because of makerspace, that's a bonus. But if they're mm -hmm. just passionate about being creative and enjoying learning in a different way and actually becoming more um, intellectual and smarter, if you will, then uh, that's that's what it's there for. And what's what's good to see, like you mentioned, um, you know, just seeing the the kids come in uh, is is always a joy. And knowing that they are becoming that much more comfortable and familiar with with Birchland Park, um, I think that's opening up the sense of community, you know, with them. And it's kind of breaking down the pre-existing notions of, of what schools are. That's not just necessarily a physical building, but a place to learn. And whether it's in one physical location or another, it's a shared space that I think really will help. Um, you know, help establish that the, the transition. But also what's great about the makerspace is that when teachers see the fifth grade students come in and, and work, it, it piques teachers' interests here. And more and more, the teachers are doing what we want of our students to experiment, to dabble, to play with the makerspace. And in this dabbling, in this experimentation, they're, they're, they're getting the skills under the belt and we're just seeing more and more teachers take that plunge into makerspace. I was just in a classroom all week long in which um, a teacher was, was wrapping up a makerspace project and the, the students were, um, were pitching ideas, and this was in an ELA class, they were pitching ideas um, to a shark tank of panelists oh, based on project. a product that they created in a dystopian society. Um, so, I mean, they, there, there was a lot of engineering that went into it. There was um, battery-operated, you know, appliances. Um, there was just a lot of innovation. There was a lot of creative inventions um, all tied to the text, um, incorporating critical thinking, text analysis. So it was a nice um, merger between, um, you know, elements of, of, of what we would see in a science class with that deep-seated uh, mm -hmm. analysis in an English class. And we're seeing more and more of that in, in our classes. And our kids come alive when this happens. And that articulates the vision that we had when we started Makerspace. Yeah. A project like that is 100% in line with the vision that we had when we set out with doing Makerspace. And in general, the impact has been awesome. 
It, it really has. And it's growing more and more. We're more engaged here. Your students are more engaged with the space, you know, in Birchland. So um, it's been very successful. It really has. I'm, I'm very proud of that with what we accomplished. Yeah, and I can't wait to see what we have, you know, coming up. Um, so I got two more questions for you, Mr. Fredette. Both are a little bit outside the box. So you have had a rich life experience. Um, you've traveled the world, you've volunteered, you have pushed yourself in many regards, you have worked in different educational settings. Now, how do these elements of the way that you have lived your life influence the way in which you prepare your students for the next steps in their lives? My experiences have enriched me in so many ways. Um, they've really enriched my character more than anything. I think if I had to look back on the person I was before I had it in mind that I should just get out and travel the world and work in a third world country because that's an important experience to me at the time, which is now still a important experience, you know, not there. It really enriched my character. I would, I, I, as I matured living overseas, I grew to be better with people, regardless of their background, regardless of their level of intellect, regardless of um, their proficiency in, in anything, really, um, I, I, I just became better with everyone. I could tolerate differences in a way that I never could before. Um, I could see things from a perspective and a lens that I never could before. Um, I could process information a little more slowly, even though I do still move pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. um, I still do process information and reflect. Like I really became much more reflective person, which made me a better person character-wise. And so I treat kids really, really well. I treat them excellently in my school all the time, mm -hmm. whether they're in trouble or not in trouble. Um, and I feel like that came from my experiences abroad learning to treat people well regardless of you know what's going on in their lives um and it rubs off it just has to like e even if it doesn't rub off every day over time after the years being through maple shade it would just rub off that the principal is a person here that treats us with respect and we treat everybody here with respect because not that it's not tolerated because he goes around and tells everybody it's not tolerated he just shows us mm -hmm. you know he shows us that it's not tolerated because he treats us all fairly and really well. And I learned that overseas. I learned to treat all sorts of people really well and fairly. So one of the things that I always try to instill within the students um, is that the certainly they, they, they learn about important educational content in ELA and social studies, science and math and, and the other the other classrooms, but some of the most important elements of learning are going to take place in the social interactions in the hallway and on the way home from school and just in the conversations that that they will have with you know the adults in the building and so your approach um, is very similar in my regard is that you're just modeling the characteristics that you want the students to, to have as they go forth um, in their in their lives and last question very similarly related to this on top of being a principal you are also a husband and a father how does being a father impact your leadership of other people's children, and how has your leadership of other people's children impacted the way in which you approach fatherhood? So the first one is whenever I'm questioning how I'm going to approach a teacher with something that was really great or not so great with a student or a classroom of students, 
I don't hesitate when I can say, what if it were my daughter in that teacher's classroom? Mm -hmm. I'd want someone to at least have a conversation. So it kind of forces me to have the uncomfortable conversations more so when things aren't right. Mm -hmm. And then I think about it on the other side and say, what if my daughter was in that teacher's classroom? How happy would I be? I would be thrilled. So I make a point to say, you don't know how lucky your students are to have you as a teacher. So that influences me um, with leadership of adults on both ends of the spectrum, mm. both the when things aren't just so and when things are great. I think about my daughters and say, wow, if their teachers you know, were doing that, I'd be so pleased as a dad. Or if, wow, if their teacher did that, I don't think I'd be that happy. So I should do something about it. Mm -hmm. Um, that's really influenced me. Can you ask the second part of the question again? How has your leadership of other people's children impacted the way in which you approach fatherhood? I see great the I see themes in great families. Like I just see it, and I'm and it's great to be in um, education of young children mm -hmm. that I can act actually firsthand experience these themes. So when I see fathers asking for time out of work to their employer, whether it's comfortable or uncomfortable, just to come in for an author's tea to be with their kid, and their kid wasn't alone in a classroom and actually had their dad there, um, I try to do the same thing for my kid. Um, when I see you know, fathers um, talk to me about experiences their kids are having, or their kids are talking to me about experiences they're having with their family, with dad, you know, of course family if dad's involved, or if dad, if, you know, um, is you know part of the family of course and I try to reflect on that's really great that their family is doing that that's a really great opportunity that they set up for their child that's a, a really great thing they did um, together so I try to replicate some of those things I try to take notes um, when I see these themes in really strong families and they're doing a really great job um, with their children so it's actually helped me as a father because I, it's, it's like going to a workshop every week. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. Um, so, Michael, thank you for your time. Um, we've been talking for almost a half an hour now. Yeah. Um, but your, yours was uh, a brain that I definitely wanted to pick. I know that the, the, I, I lured you in here with uh, uh, the promise of talking about transitions, but I wanted to definitely get your perspective on some other things as well. Um, and you did Great. not disappoint. So um, before we leave, is there anything else that you want to say to our, to our listeners? Um, I really want to say that um, if you are a Maple Shade parent and this is going to be your first experience transitioning into Birchland Park Middle School, um, do not be nervous. Do not be afraid. There will be some bumps in the road for sure. There might even be some tears from time to time or some uh, pushback on whether or not they want to go to school or going to like school. But they are going to love it here. I get kids that come back to Maple Shade in the first few weeks of school all the time telling me how wonderful Birchland is, how much they love middle school, how it's the best thing that you know they have going. And sometimes I get jealous. There are things that are offered here that I just can't do or that our school can't do um, for, for a lot of reasons. But um, the children have a rich experience here. And they know it and they love it. And uh, so uh, don't be nervous at all. Um, actually, be proud that you have a great middle school for your child. Wise words from Principal Michael Fredette. Michael, again, thank you for your time. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Thanks, bud. <laughs> okay, everyone, and that was the first part of this episode in which 
I talked to Mr. Fredette from Maple Shade Elementary School, and for the rest of the episode, you are going to be hearing from students at Birchen Park about how their transition from fifth grade to sixth grade went, and all of the emotional components that went into that journey. So everyone, uh, enjoy! Hey everyone, welcome back. I um, just want to let everyone know that I am joined with uh, one of our sixth graders, Emerson. Emerson, how are you today? Good, Mr. Martin. How are you? I'm doing good, thank you. How was your weekend? Very nice. Did you do anything exciting? Um, I went to go see a movie yesterday with my sister, grandmother, mother, and my sister's friend. What did you see? The Greatest Shaman. Was it good? Yeah, it really was. Um, are you into musicals? Kind of. I don't really get an opportunity to see them that many, that a lot. But I like to sing and I like to act. So. I, okay. Yeah. Well, that's great. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Um, okay. So Emerson, uh, you are now in the the second half of your sixth grade year, and you know, I mean, it seems like only yesterday. I'm sure that you were in fifth grade, thinking ahead to what sixth grade was going to be. So, when you were transitioning from uh, grade to grade, and especially especially transitioning from elementary school to middle school, there's a lot that goes on. There's a lot of thoughts that get wrapped up. There's a whole emotional component. Like on one hand, I'm sure that you don't want to say goodbye to the teachers. You don't want to say goodbye to the life that you have come to know in elementary school. So there's just a lot that goes into it. So what were the things that you were afraid of the most? Well, I guess like the new teachers, I've heard from some of my friends in like seventh grade that like there was a like, ton of homework and like every night at some practice they'd like list the amount of homework that they had and I'm like, oh my God, that's a lot. <laughs> and I used to have like this sort of vision thing, like every time that I went up a grade that like I would just be like the only person here that like that I actually remembered and there'd be like all other like new kids that I didn't know at all. Mm-hmm. It'd be like just me, and that oh, was like that would okay. freak me out. And then every day on the first day of school, I'd be like, "Oh wait a minute, I know you, I know you. It's totally fine." Yeah, it's never as bad as we as we make ourselves yeah. out. So when you did the the step up day, what were your thoughts as you as you toured this place? Well, I thought like, "Wow, it's really big. <laughs> like, how the heck am I gonna get around?" Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I felt the same thing my first day here. I didn't. I got so lost. I didn't know how I was gonna be able to figure it out. But, uh, but I think that that's just natural. So, what are some of the things that? I mean, middle school isn't all that bad. So, I mean, what are some of the things that, as you thought ahead when you were still in fifth grade, um, and you thought about what was gonna happen in sixth grade? What were the things that excited you the most? I think I'm not entirely sure. Like switching classes, maybe, or like having my own locker. Can't really remember though. Okay, no, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, I, I think that what you're speaking to um, is is personal growth and um, just more responsibility on your part. You know, when you're in elementary school, you know, the, so much of it is preparing you for this moment and taking care of you. There's a lot of taking care of you, but when you get here, we start to train you how to be able to take care of yourself. So the things that you're saying is being able to switch class to class on your own and you know, have your own locker. These are little steps in your life that you're, you're going to see more and more of um, that ultimately is going to come to a huge moment in your life in a few years when you get your license, you know, and that's a big moment of personal responsibility and freedom. So, yeah, I think that that's, that's what you're speaking to. So what, um, what did you learn about yourself from the transition between elementary school and middle school? I 
guess I learned that I had like more responsibility mm-hmm. and that it was actually like really fine and I really liked it okay. and like all this like freedom was really cool. So you do well with the freedom. Yeah. So do you think that you're able to to handle the the freedom of responsibilities? Some people, some students struggle with that. You know, some students, you know, mm-hmm. kind of need to be told what to do and how to do it, when to do it, and they need someone to really hold their hand. When other students are able to write all of their assignments down and start to self-organize their own management, do you find that that's something that you're able to do? Yeah. Like I've always been pretty organized. Like in the morning, like I have this certain schedule that I have to follow. Oh my god. Get ready for school. What is the what is uh what is the schedule? So like. My dad wakes me up at 6:10, mm-hmm. and I like I pick up my clothes the night before, so I just like I like, get out of bed, go to the bathroom, get dressed from like 6:10 to 6:20. I usually try to be downstairs by 6:20. My dad makes me breakfast. I usually I try to finish that by like 6:40, like 6:45, and then I make my lunch, and then I go upstairs to like brush my teeth um, at like 6:50, and then. <laughs> And like, that's kind of like Lucy after that, like Lucy Goosey. And then I just try to be ready by like 7, 7.05, cause 7.10, my friend and my friend's dad comes to pick me up and bring me here. That's great. Yeah. You know, it's important to have routines. I mean, the, the more routines that you have, the less thinking that you have to do, especially in the morning when your brain is not, you know, fully mm-hmm. active. Uh, you know, there are there are people out there, not just students, but adults, who struggle with the morning because they have not initiated um, a routine. So it sounds like the system that you have in place is working, uh, which is fantastic. So we talked about moving from fifth grade to sixth grade and the transition that that happened there, but. Life is a constant series of transitions. You know, at, at, at no point are you ever just locked in amber. You, there is always going to be change, and with it, there will always be growth and challenges. So, you know, I'm sure that it felt like yesterday when you were in fifth grade looking ahead to sixth grade, and I'm sure that it, it, it felt like just yesterday when it was that last day of summer and you knew that the, the, you know, the next day would be the first day of school and you would meet out, you know, all your new teachers and meet all the kids from the other elementary school and just start your middle school process. But the transition is not over yet. So as we head into the second half of your sixth grade uh, year, what would you say your biggest challenges are that you continue to face as a middle school student and what do you do to combat those challenges? I'd say homework probably. And like just making sure that I get it all done before the next day. Cause like sometimes I just forget. Like I don't always check my assignment book, and it's just it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to stay on yeah. top of that homework. Yeah. Okay. And I have like a lot of after school activities and stuff. So what are some of the stuff that you do after school? Strings. I have. I take voice lessons on Tuesdays, and then in the summer and the winter I have swim practice like every day after school okay do you like staying busy like that yes you do so i mean are you some like what do you ever find yourself in moments of downtime and you're like now what do i do or or do you like appreciate the times when you have downtime what what is it i think it's kind of a mixture like if i'm like really busy and i'm like like my mind is like going like high speed and like then I don't really like a lot of downtime. Like I just want to be like doing something. Mm-hmm. But then other times, 
Like, once that wears off, I'm like, ugh, I just really just want some time to myself. <laughs> totally natural, totally natural. So what about middle school came easy for you? I guess, like, getting along with other people and stuff. Like, I thought, like, the other school, like, I don't know them at all. Like, I barely remember you guys from second grade. Yeah. And, like, I just have no idea. And, like, we're probably just going to be, like, Mountain View on one side of the cafeteria and Maple Shade on the other. It's like... And then I'm like, wait a minute, you guys know each other, I recognize you, oh yeah. Like, it's like, whoa. So that came a little bit easier than you had expected. Yeah. Okay, so you've already talked about this a little bit, and I'm interested in, in you talking about this a little bit more, but um, so what are some of your passions and interests outside of school? Outside of school, I like to write a lot, and I've always been like a big reader, mm-hmm. and I, I also do robotics club after school and on Thursdays, and that takes a lot of my time. It's, it's really fun. Mm-hmm. And then some practice, I get to like hang out with my friends. And yeah. And then strings. Yeah. And then you have the, the voice lessons in the summer. Yep. <laughs> okay. So yeah, you, you have packed in a lot. Um, so of all of the interests that you have, which is the one that you look forward to the most? I really don't know. Like, really? My mom said, like, at the beginning of the school year, she's like, are you sure you want to do all these things? Yeah. You're probably going to be pretty busy. And it was pretty busy and kind of hard to keep up with everything. Mm-hmm. But I don't really, like, I don't favor any of them, like, over the others. I just, like, I really just love them all. That's great. Um, <laughs> so looking ahead, you know, is there anything, you know, when you think about yourself as an adult... I mean, do you see yourself pursuing any of these interests that you have professionally? Yeah, I kind of want to be a writer when I grow up. That is awesome. Because, like, I just find it really fun. That's great. So um, so you have currently been working on this, this book, yeah. and you're 22 chapters in. Yeah. Before then, I mean, this is the first thing that you had written, or have you always been writing? I've been writing, like, a little bit on and off, I guess. Like, I think... I had like a few stories that I just started and then just kind of abandoned. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So when you abandoned those stories, what caused you to abandon them? I guess just like disinterest. Like I just sort of like started like fading away. Like that's kind of boring. I don't really want to write about that anymore. So when that started to happen, was there a new idea that popped into the forefront of your brain that was making you think more about that? It was probably something distracting me. Okay. Like it's happened multiple times. And I just, I don't think I had an idea, really. Mm-hmm. I just didn't really want to do this anymore. Okay. Yeah, well, you're still, you're still learning the craft, and you're still learning your process. Um, as long as you just keep with it, you will learn really what, what works for you. Um, okay, and so with all the interests that you have, all of your personal interests outside of school, you know, sometimes there's a clear line in the sand between what happens in school and what happens outside of school. Now, have you found... Um, in any of your classes, um, ha- have your teachers found ways for you to bring your outside interests into the classroom? Sort of, like, with my writing, like, I just do writing a lot in school, mm-hmm. and it's just kind of came easy, like, easier for me than for other kids, mm-hmm. and, yeah. Okay. And Emerson, last question. Um, what is one personal goal that you have that, that you want to accomplish for yourself by the end of this year? By the end of this year, I, I science has never really been my best subject, mm-hmm. but with my teacher, Ms. Grocer, this year, like, it's been, like, it's really fun. Like, 
it seems like in the past years my teachers haven't really touched on that as much but she's like opened this world to me and I'm like wow I'm like I want to really get better at it it's great well I mean you're you're interested in robotics so mm-hmm. clearly that's that's an avenue that that you're exploring mm-hmm. all right Emerson I want to make sure that you uh, get out of here and get are you getting picked up or are you uh, take, yeah. okay so I want to make sure that you get out of Get out of here if you don't really want to stay after school for too much longer. So um, thank you uh, for this. Is there anything that you want to share with our, our listeners? Um, I guess just, like, if you have something that you like, then just keep going. And, like, don't give up. Like, if even if it seems like you're really bad at it. Like, like school, like, sort of. Like, if you, like, you can get used to it. And it's really fun. And... Yeah. <laughs> Emerson, that is great. What you're referring to, that is called grit. Thank you for that. Everybody, watch out for Emerson on the New York Times bestsellers list. I'm sure that will find you there. Thank you, Emerson. And me and my friends in fourth grade. I don't know. You got interviewed for the Big E? Yeah, we were just doing something. What were some of the questions that they asked you? Uh, just what your favorite rides were, what the best part of the Big E is. It was kind of cool. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. Um, Okay, everyone. So welcome back to the Birchland Park podcast. I am joined here with Ben today. Ben is one of our sixth graders. Um, Before I get any further, Ben, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Fantastic. It is currently Wednesday. Um, So how has the week been treating you so far? It's been doing well. I don't really mind the weather, so that's good. That's a good outlook to have. Not a lot of people feel that way this time of year. I know I certainly didn't this morning. I did not want to get out of bed. Um, so do you have any, now that we are at the halfway point of the week, do you have any big, exciting plans for the weekend that you're looking forward to? Um, I'm more of just a chill person on the weekend. We might go to a Thunderbirds game or something like that, but usually we just kind of stay home and relax. That's what the weekends are for, man. That's what the weekends are for. Okay, so um, what we're going to be talking about today is the transition between uh, fifth grade to sixth grade. So as someone transitions from one grade to the next, um, any grade, there comes a lot of emotions. Um, but I believe that when you are transitioning from fifth grade to sixth grade, from one building to the next, there is a whole range of thoughts that go through your head. And there's all this emotion that, that um, comes with it because it's a big moment in your life. Um, so when you were in fifth grade, and thinking about sixth grade, what were the things that you were afraid of the most? I'm usually not afraid of crowds, but I thought I'd be nervous of the amount of people here and all the people I didn't know and mostly getting lost around the school too. And when you came for the the step-up day, did those um, sort of reinforce your fears? You know, because stepping in from what a lot of students have told me, it is a big building. So did, did that just sort of make you go, oh my God, I should be afraid this building is so big? Or did it make you feel a little bit more comfortable? What I thought after that was the building was very big, but instead of thinking of it as intimidating, I thought of it as wicked cool. It instantly probably became my favorite school I've ever visited, which I've been to a few. And it's an amazing school. Um, glad I came here. Well, thanks for sharing. Um, so what are the things that excited you the most? The most exciting part was, I kind of liked having a locker at first, but the most exciting part was having the idea of switching rooms and all the different teachers, getting to meet more teachers and see how awesome they were. Fantastic. Okay. So as you started to um, 
well, as you came to sixth grade and began your experience and transitioned from being a fifth grader, what were some of the things that you learned about yourself? I learned from a lot of other people that I'm a pretty funny person and that I kind of helped other people already through sixth grade. But what I also learned about myself was that I am quite disorganized and that I am a little messy at some points. Okay, so that's that's good. That identifying some areas that you need a little additional support in or need to, to work on, that is the first step is just acknowledging that there there's something that you want to work on. So that's that's a really good way of thinking uh, this early in your life that you've said, okay, this is an area that I, I need to improve because I think that if you're able to identify it, then you're going to be able to, to help work on that. Um, and because it is almost February, um, tomorrow will be February 1st, we're going to be looking at the second half of your sixth grade year. So it's a really good time to, to have this conversation because so much of what has come before was just first preparing you to be a sixth grader and then walking you through all the expectations of being a sixth grader. So, so much of what the first half of the year brought you was learning how to be a sixth grader, learning the expectations of being a middle school student. But now that we head into February, it's not about learning how to be a sixth grade student anymore. You're just a sixth grade student. You're a middle school student now. Um, but you're always changing and you always have new challenges and you always have new um, experiences being thrown at you. So what I'm saying is, even though you have made that transition to fifth, fifth grade to sixth grade, that transition still isn't over yet. So what challenges do you continue to face as a middle school student and what are you doing to combat those challenges? I definitely am a little more organized in the beginning of the year, but I still have some organization problems keeping all my work um, organized, keeping everything on track, remembering to do things. But uh, I've definitely been doing better. I've been using my agenda book more than probably any other grade, which has helped me a lot. And I've set reminders on my phone to do my homework, which was pretty helpful since I'm on that a lot. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think I've been doing better as the year has improved. So using your cell phone, um, here it's an interesting question for me in my in my perspective because from the assistant principal's role, um, it, it can be such an incredible tool. Because when I was growing up, and God, I sound like such an old person when I say that, but when I was growing up, I didn't have this, this type of technology. And it's incredible that in the palm of your hand, you have all of human history at your disposal, you know, at your disposal. And you can just type in anything and then have information just pop up on the screen. That is that the future is in your hands. It's an incredible, incredible tool to wield. But of course, we also see that there's a lot of issues that come with you know young um, young adults having technology because they might not be able to handle all the the responsibility with it. So, when you have the phone, do you find yourself getting distracted? Um, you know, how useful is it to you? If I'm usually doing homework, I don't really find it distracting, but. If it's like I'm saying I'm going to do my homework in five minutes and I go on my phone, I sometimes find my time that I'd like to start gets maybe a few minutes delayed. So I could probably figure out a different or another way to 
help remind myself to get more organized. Very cool. The um, so taking pictures of like the agenda and stuff. That's something that you do in class. Uh yeah, taking pictures of the agenda, writing it down on maybe a note. I mm-hmm. do that too. What works better for you, taking the pictures or, or writing it down? Uh, both work well. I don't know if really one works better, but um, I don't know. Maybe writing the note down because I mean, I kind of keep that in my pocket. Hmm. But yeah. Okay. Um, okay. And what about middle school came easy for you? I am supposedly known as a quote quote smart one. Mm-hmm. So for me, grades I've been a little bit ahead. So the work part has been pretty um, good for me. I have good grades. I it's just the part of remembering to do it that um, kind of ranks my grades a little bit down. Um, yeah, all my grades below 80s are because I forgot to do it. Okay. So you have the talent. You have the talent to do it. You just have to, to actually sometimes push yourself to get it done. Yeah. Okay. That is going to be, um, I think that that's just a, a great uh, statement for life, you know, for, for a lot of people that um, it doesn't matter whether it's schoolwork or not. I think that we find ourselves in situations in which we have um, talents but being able to push ourselves to put our talents to, to work, that's, that's, that's the hard part. So that, I'm glad that that's something that you're working on currently because it's going to be able to translate outside of the classroom. It's just going to be a good life lesson for you. Um, so that came easy for you. What else came hard? You talked a little bit about the organization process. Was there anything else that kind of came hard to you? A few of my friends were one, of, or one or two of them kind of neglected me for a few months so I had to make new friends and that was a little tough but I ended up making more than I could ever ask for. That's a really good way of looking at it and that is one of the difficulties about being in middle school because we talked about transitions and that comes with change and everything changes you know I mean you know you're, you're constantly growing and interests grow and friendships grow and sometimes they grow apart and that's life and that's fine um, but the fact that you have been able to you know, have some disappointment around it, but then move forward and meet new friends. Again, that's a life skill that is really going to help you out in life. You know, the older you get, the harder sometimes it is to find friends and to make friends. So what you're learning now is something that if you hold on to as you get older, it's going to really equip you to, to find a lot of success um, in life because success isn't just having the talent to do something or the brains to do something. It's really about how you work with people. And if you have that skill and being able to make friends, you're going to go far. So when it comes to school, um, there's sometimes a, a clear line between what occurs in a classroom and what c- occurs in a school day and what occurs when you go home and the things that you like to pursue within your own life. So my question to you is think about the passions and the interests that you have outside of school. Um, and have they been able to find a way into the school? So what are you interested in outside of school? I play the piano. I play saxophone. I love to play sports. I'm a chef, and I, uh, yeah, that's basically. Ben, you're in sixth grade, and you're, like, more of an accomplished human being than I am at 36 years old. Congratulations. I don't know about that, but thanks. Okay, so you said saxophone? Yes. And piano 
Yes. And sports and chef. Yes. Okay, so my first question is this. You you play two different instruments. How did you land on these two instruments? Of all of the instruments that you could have chosen, how, like I'm always fascinated with when, when someone like finds an instrument that speaks to them. Like why did the, were they drawn to that particular instrument? First for piano. I started playing piano for real when I was about eight. But when I was six and seven, I would just start kind of listening to songs and playing them on piano. And people eventually got impressed. My dad signed me up for piano lessons, and it worked me up to where I got to play at Carnegie Hall this past Saturday. Oh, my God. That's such a huge accomplishment. Congratulations. Thanks. People spend their entire lives trying to get into Carnegie Hall. I do know. I spent many hours of mine. Congratulations, Ben. That's that's a really, really big achievement. Congratulations. That's Thanks. fantastic. Um, so that's the piano. How'd you get into the sax? So... I didn't really think I was going to do band at first, but when I really looked at the instruments, I didn't really want to do percussion or trombone because, I mean, I wanted something that just kind of spoke to my ability where I liked the sound, I liked how it looked, I liked a lot about it. And so I had it narrowed down to um, the trumpet, saxophone, and clarinet because, I mean... Those are what kind of really spoke to me, but I chose the saxophone because I liked the feel of how you play it, how it looks, the sound of it is unique, and it really speaks out in a band, so I chose that to play. That's, I, I'm going to go home tonight, and I'm going to tell my wife that I talked to one of our students who plays the saxophone, she's going to be very excited because one of the things that she and I talks about is in music today, there's not a lot of saxophone, and it's such a cool instrument. And, like, there's a lot of songs um, in decades past where some of the best songs have saxophone solos, you know? And it's such a cool-sounding instrument, and it brings so much um, uh, so much richness to a song. And I feel that a lot of music today is lacking because it doesn't have the sound of the saxophone. So thank you for keeping the saxophone alive. Yeah. Um, and then with sports, what, what sports are you interested in? I was never really into sports till 2016, and it hit off. I got interested in almost every single sport there is out there. Mm-hmm. I started playing basketball. I started playing soccer. I started playing baseball. I started playing tennis. I started to do some swimming and um, cycling. I did distance running. Uh, sports just kind of hit off for me, and so I do many sports now. Wow. You are the man who does it all. And on top of it, you cook. So let's talk about you being a chef. What does that look like? I was taught my basic cooking lessons when I was seven by my awesome grandmother, who first just taught me how to chop peppers. And I got so interested in it. Every time I saw her, I asked her to teach me more until I was taught and taught and taught, till I was 10, when I really felt like I had a good grasp of how to cook, then I would, in fact, teach my grandmother some things. I was watching cooking shows every day. I was doing as much research on cooking as I could do. I cook many, many, many days out of the week, well, like six out of seven for my family. And so uh, I thought that'd be cool if I could audition for a cooking show, so 
I'm thinking if I want to to audition for Master Chef Junior. Oh my God, that's great. I'm just trying to work up the nerve. It's pretty intense. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot that goes into it. But if anything that I've I've learned from our our conversations that you're you're a driven young man, and I I don't think it would be a bad idea for you to do it because I, I think that you know even if you don't get on if even if you don't get on it, it would be a good experience, and I think that. Um, you have the the wherewithal to to work your way to it. What is the what's your favorite thing to cook? My favorite thing to cook, like I said, my favorite food is steak. But the whole meal is pretty long. It's pan or seasoning crusted steak, first seared, then pan fried with a port wine reduction, and my secret mashed potatoes. Mashed potatoes. I love mashed potatoes. So how do you make the mashed potatoes? Um, so I have usually red and Yukon gold potatoes. I put them in boiling water for about two, three minutes till on high till it really just kind of softens up and I mash them, add seasonings, add sour cream and voila. Wow. Wow. I just, it is nine o'clock in the morning guys and I... My, I'm salivating at the thought of, of eating uh, Ben's meals. The, this, this sounds great. Um, so lastly, Ben, because I want, I want you to, uh, to get back to class, um, what is one, it, you are, like, like we've talked about, you are a very goal-driven young man, um, and you just mentioned one goal about getting on MasterChef Junior. What is one, is there another personal goal that you can think of um, that you want to achieve for yourself by the end of this year? Definitely. My favorite sport is basketball, and by far I wanted to make it onto the travel team and perform very well. I've never scored more than eight points in a game. I was looking in this year to make it onto the travel team and score ten points in one of those games, which is my goal of the year. Okay. Having goals is what is what makes us go further. So the, the fact that you have you have goals in terms of your academics. You want to be more organized. You have goals in terms of your cooking. Um, you know, you want to get on the show. You have goals in terms of athleticism. Um, you just made, a, you just achieved a personal goal of uh, of, of um, performing at, at Carnegie Hall. So, the the fact that you are building goals around your interests um, shows like you have already provided evidence that these goals are working for you. So continue to set these goals and. Man, you're going to go far. I mean, before you know it, you're going to be hosting this podcast show. So <laughs> congratulations, Ben. Thanks. Is there anything else that you want to share with uh, our listening audience before you head back to class? I think we've covered a great amount of my life, and I think that I'm good. All right. All right. Thanks, man. This was a fantastic conversation. Well, there you have it, folks. Another examination of what transitions mean uh, for our students. I want to thank Mr. Fredette for joining us to kick off this conversation about transitions for this particular episode. I want to thank Emerson and Ben for the, 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 the depths to which uh, we discussed what it means to transition to middle school. And I want to thank all of you who are listening to Schooling You, a Birchin Park podcast. As I record this, it is February 14th, Valentine's Day. If you are listening to this, I hope that you have a spectacular and uh, loving Valentine's Day. And one thing is for sure, um, one thing that I do love, I love being the assistant principal at Birchin Park Middle School 
for because for the last hour, as you have heard, um, whether it be a colleague across the way or the students that, that walk through these hallways, um, as the assistant principal, I know that I can speak on behalf of Mr. Allen, the principal, uh, we are blessed with just great uh, education, great students, great educators. We are really lucky. I just wanted to share that on this Valentine's Day. Everybody, I love you, and stay tuned for new episodes of Schoolin' Ya, a Birch and Park podcast.